Welcome to Counterpoint. Counterpoint is the Counter Narrative Projects podcast. This show amplifies the voices of black gay men through conversations with thought leaders, creatives, and activists. I am your host, Johnny Cornegay. You can follow us on Twitter at Building Desire and like us on Facebook at The Counter Narrative. The Counter Narrative Project seeks to build power among black gay men. And today I welcome three guests with me today. I have um, Charles Stevens, the founder of the Counter Narrative Project. Ramon Johnson, uh, a student at Morehouse College and vice president of Safe Space. Welcome. And Michael Wynn from the uh, Alliance Theater. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all for joining us. So we wanted to talk a little bit about Choir Boy. Choir Boy is a, a play by Terrell Avon McCraney. Um, and it's a play set in the um, Charles, R. Dr- Charles R. Drew Prep School for Boys um, and stars a, a student named Ferris. So um, Ferris is a student who wants to not only um, take his rightful place among leaders within the school's gospel choir, and it kind of t- tells the story of Ferris and his interactions with different individuals within the choir um, and within the school. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Choir Boy and this particular production and how this all came about. Before I get into that though, let's talk a little bit about Morehouse Safe Space. So Morehouse Safe Space is a gender and sexual diverse collective at Morehouse College dedicated to developing inclusive yet intersectional safe spaces for students on campus who identify as um, gay, bisexual, um, or transgender or gender nonconforming queer. And Safe Space was started, I want to say, in 19, in the early 90s um, with a student um, by the name of Karan Williams. Um, he entered Morehouse in 1989 and was a very vibrant student, very um, open student. And um, he was obviously gay. And he spoke truth to power um, when he wanted to advocate for having a LGBT Um, organization or campus and the campus responded in a negative way and um, ever since then we've been it's been a struggle to have you know a organization dedicated towards queer folks on campus and um, so fast forward to 2002 we had safe space so if it had not been for Karan Williams, Jura Peoples, um, Jafari Allen those people, they, we would not have, you know, a, a physical space on campus. So safe space, we've been um, basically advocating um, on the behalf of queer folks on campus. We also have different events um, on campus and off campus to address the needs of students and being visible as well. So when you think about uh, the play Choir Boy, it definitely deals with, um, it's a coming of age play. Um, of a black gay, a young black gay boy, uh, coming of age, uh, dealing with homophobia, dealing with just growing and becoming who he is. Um, why was why did this play? Why was this play attractive to Safe Space? Why is this important on campus right now? Well, I remember um, when I first saw the play. Um, I was one of the things that stuck out to me was that it was an all male school, and also the. Um, the main character just so happened to be queer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thinking about Morehouse, we're already, you know, dealing with heteropatriarchy because we are on an all-male institution and it's assumed that 
that everyone is heterosexual. So, you know, when you're talking about what is the experience like for queer folks on campus, it can be positive and it can be negative. Um, we have, it's, it's taken a long time for us to even progress mm-hmm. on campus, but I would say that at the same time, there's a sense of community um, for queer folks, you know, and then also there is this sense of longing for acceptance on campus and being visible. So I, I, I saw that in the play and that correlation with Morehouse as well. So Excellent. So the Alliance Theater, Michael, if you can talk to us a bit about, um, first of all, um, in, in directing this particular work, what attracts you to the, the work itself? And also, why is this work um, important to be produced and supported? Um, I guess the answer to the first question is um, I went to an all-black undergraduate school. It was not a... Um, it was not all male school as Morehouse, but um, a lot of growing, I mean, coming of age in that, in that society in an all black institution and being gay really drew me to choir boy. And it also, um, and the fact that it was in an all male school really um, interested me in a lot of ways because, I mean, some of my favorite movies growing up actually happened to take place in like all male institutions, mm-hmm. you know, like Dead Poets Society and School Times and things that like really took place in these all male institutions. And what really uh, intrigued me about these institutions is where there was this very amazing um, social thing happening between all male students. You're really able to be, be yourself and it broke mm-hmm. down a lot of barriers, but then there was also this hyper-masculinity mm-hmm. that there that, that was protected. So you have these men who are um, in this time in their life when they're at their most intimate, mm-hmm. you know, and when they are sharing and the only people you can share with, the only person you can be intimate with is another man on campus because that's all you have. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this this hyper-masculinity that is coming from the top down that tells you this is how you're supposed to act and this is not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was just very interesting the, the way Ferris had to really kind of navigate the, between those particular ways. And as a gay man, it's, it's a crazy, crazy minefield mm-hmm. to have to navigate. And I think like um, that's what really drew me to it. Plus the fact that like, I mean, working for the Lions Theater, Terrell Evan McRaney is our own. Yeah. You know, like yes. Terrell was one of the first winners of our Candida National Graduate Playwrights finalists. And I think and we always say, no matter whether it's true or not, that we help Terrell get to where yeah. he is. So we, we feel a lot of pride in that. So mm-hmm. it makes us very happy to be bringing, in a weird way, him home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we produced Quiet Boy two years ago, but to bring him home and to actually put it at an all-black institution mm-hmm. and an all-black you know, male institution is probably one of the best things that can happen to this play. Mm-hmm. Charles, from the counter-narrative perspective, um, uh, talk to us a bit about the importance of Terrell's work um, in terms of the counter-narrative and um, why it's important that uh, the counter-narrative is also a part of this discussion. So much of our commitment is about black gay men not just being the object of other people's narratives, but the authors of our own narratives. And I mm-hmm. think Terrell's work speaks directly to that. Choir Boy in particular intrigues us, uh, or intrigued me, uh, because, you know, certainly I was interested in this, you know, depiction of black, um, you know, b- young black maleness in this institution, but it's also about what it means to resist a conformist institution, like resisting conformity and what that means, daring to be 
unique and daring to still speak your voice Mm -hmm. when everything else around you is homogenous and trying to indoctrinate you and force you into this box Mm -hmm. like and the consequences of that Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. often we romanticize the people that are different the people that are unique the people that you know uh march to the beat of their own drum but there are consequences yes often violent Mm -hmm. you know what i what i often say is that there's no uh, and many have said before me, there's no revolution without bloodshed, even personal revolutions, and there are consequences. And it it shows that, right? It shows the joy, but also the trauma of what it means to mm-hmm. to, to to resist, to to try to be yourself, mm-hmm. to, to try to live your own truth mm-hmm. in a conformist environment. And I just the sort of anti-conformity bent of the play really appeals to me. In addition to grappling with homophobia and masculinity mm-hmm. and blackness and just what it means to um, to to grapple with all those things in, a, in an institution like like the Charles mm-hmm. Drew Prep School. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that you we experience a lot, uh, and for those individuals that that have never seen the play, there's a lot of beautiful music and singing in this play. Um, <clears throat> Michael, from a a artistic perspective, and you know, being a playwright yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to me, talk to us a bit about the importance of, you know, not just, you know, the words, which are beautiful, but those songs that really kind of tie the play together. I think um, the beauty um, of Terrell's and Terrell's writing is is how he um, connects tradition with the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and those songs, like, I mean, it, it, it starts out um, with Trust and Obey mm-hmm. is the first song. And I mean, and I grew up singing those songs. I grew up holding my grandmother's hand in, in church singing that particular song. And to be, you know, betrayed by your school in that mm-hmm. song. I mean, the first his first betrayal by his school happens in a song about trust that he's not supposed to ever stop singing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and the betrayal comes when he stops singing. Why he stops singing in the aftermath of that, that problem. So I think the importance of those particular songs is that it, it really shows the dichotomy of your existence as, as an African-American homosexual. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when tradition, mm-hmm. like, I mean, the things that we are taught are the things that, I mean, tradition are things that uh, are blankets that we can wrap ourselves in and be comforted by um, as, as young kids. And when tradition, you know, unravels you, throws you out, like, on the cold concrete. And I mean, mm-hmm. and that's what happens over and over again with Terrell and these, and with Ferris, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I keep, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know. <laughs> but I mean, it happens over and over again and I think that that's something that we we go through I mean that's a struggle that I I see Mm -hmm. is where um you know when you are someone like Ferris I mean Mm -hmm. the two different things when you're a golden child like when you are that golden child and I mean as a and a lot of gay boys can can realize like there's a point when you're a golden child and everybody's behind you and there's Mm -hmm. a moment when sexuality comes into play Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden your luster is gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know everybody treats you differently and you're stuck in there like wondering why and like so many points in this thing which is amazing and mm-hmm. for Terrell does as a writer is he shows that conflict that every time uh, Ferris has to make a decision every time he comes up against um, this this horror of, 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 of heteronormative living you know that um, he has to make them, those decisions and Pharrell what he also I mean what Terrell also does is he puts those decisions I mean he lays them in this blanket of tradition with these mm-hmm. songs and I think that it does something for the the story but it also does something for the audience it makes um, all of 
all of us who grew up in that tradition and 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 to have to see his struggle in a different way mm-hmm. you know and those are people who are gay and who are not it really changes the lens in which you have to view that because if he can sing these songs of, of comfort mm-hmm. when he needs to you know then and then these are the same songs that we sing then how is it different you know how mm-hmm. is the struggle different like how is how am i different as a gay man than you are from a straight person mm-hmm. um the idea of <clears throat> music, I know that in my personal experience, um, has played such an important role in my ability to learn, uh, you know, learn about myself and um, also learn about the world. Like I, my worldview, I would say, was initially shaped by the music that mm-hmm. was coming in. Um, Ramon, in your experience, talk to us a little bit about the importance of you know, music in your life and um, understanding who you are? Well, um, music has always been an important tool for me to use because it was, I think, the one of the first um, encounters I had with music was when I was um, singing um, my first solo in church. Mm-hmm. And I sang um, Yesterday by Mary Mary. And I remember just breaking down crying because that was my first time singing in front of an audience and experiencing God when I was singing. And um, ever since then, I, I never wanted to stop singing. Mm-hmm. And do, it was also during those times where I was struggling with my sexuality. So I would sing in the church. I would listen to only gospel music, hoping that I would some way I was uh, hoping that I was, you know, um, appealing to God like Lord you know I hope that you see my heart um help me you know get rid of these feelings of desires for men and it never happened Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until like my senior year when I hit a wall and I was like okay God you gave me this gift to sing and I don't I don't know like do you love me for me and all of a sudden he came to me when I was actually doing praise and worship Mm -hmm. at church and I just felt him you know wrap his arms around wrap her arms around me (laughs) and I just felt loved and ever since then I've always remembered that feeling so whenever I have these feelings of doubt or insecurity um, about my identity I say you know what God loves me and that's what helps me you know really to really keep going and Mm -hmm. so I sing you know um, whenever not just to um, be close to God but just to also just um, enjoy music. I love soul. I love gospel. Mm-hmm. So music has always been an important foundation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about Choir Boy as a play, and and so bringing it back to, you know, those feelings, I remember um, the experience I felt when I saw the play was, you know, there were, of course, moments of sadness, and you're like, oh, like, oh, my gosh, I, I've, I've been here or I felt this feeling before but also immense joy and kind of some comfort in knowing that I wasn't alone <laughs> mm-hmm. in those um, in those feelings. Um, let's talk a bit about the role of the artist. Um, what is the role of the artist in kind of responding to violence um, in our in the lives of black gay boys? Like what things what should artists be doing? Um. For me, I mean, I think um, trying to understand it. I, I think what 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 Terrell is doing and what we're we're doing with this is really trying to to understand like what is the real problem 
you know, um, we've been the problem with 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 that we we face is 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 gay black men trying to self-identify and write our own narrative is that so many people feel like they are more capable of writing our narrative mm. than we are. So I mean, the biggest thing we come up against is is when we're trying to tell the truth and somebody else is telling you what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So um, so I really have. Um, feel like that we have to uh, uh, as as artists what we have to do is is find a safe space mm-hmm. to to um get rid of the noise like to get rid of the noise and to get rid of someone telling me how I should should feel like i mean i we have all obviously been in situations where we we've been sharing um intimate hurtful moments and 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 things that may seem ordinary Mm -hmm. to somebody else and and then they 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 claim that it's ordinary and you say like i mean them saying the little thing that they say or my mom saying the little things she said or somebody else saying the little things that they say really affected my life and it takes five years to get over something like that then someone to sit and tell you that well that shouldn't be the case i mean we come across that a lot of times so as artists it's our job to have that enough of enough strength to to stay in the ring and and fight that battle and to tell you no mm-hmm. that's it's not this is not the end of the conversation this is not my pain that you're saying my pain is what i'm saying not mm-hmm. what you're saying and 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 you have to be you as a society and you as people who say you love us and you as people who want to uh, consume our art have to listen to that mm-hmm. listen to my particular story not what you want to hear mm-hmm. so i think that our artists as an artist you have to be able to put your foot down leave it down and stand there <laughs> by, you know <laughs> um Charles, you know, the counter narrative and amplifying the voices of black gay men, art is so important to the work that we do. Um, from your perspective, talk to us a little a, a bit about that importance of the artists in this fight um, against violence for the lives of black gay men. Art is survival. Art is not only resilience, but restoration. Art mm-hmm. is the evidence of who we are and who we have been. You know, I think that particularly on the question of black gay identity, it's been the artists that have had the most insightful things to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, even now when I hear people arguing about whether or not you're black first or you're gay first, I'm like, Marlon Riggs already answered that right. years ago when he said that he will not rank mm-hmm. or prioritize his identities. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the visionaries that had the courage and the innovation to put the word black next to the word gay and then print it, mm-hmm. those were artists. Mm-hmm. Right? And it wasn't a debate and it wasn't a struggle. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm so passionate about us returning to to art and to art. I mean, these aren't, I mean, yes, art brings pleasure, but it also brings insight. It brings Mm -hmm. clarity. It brings truth. It brings healing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. we talk about the ills (laughs) that we experience and, and certainly the failure of many of the institutions that are created to support the vulnerable and those, you know, and how they fail. But, you know, that's why art is so important because I think ultimately so much of my life, my agency has everything to do with art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, my sense of personal agency, my sense of, you know, I prayed to God a lot, you know, when I was a kid, I did a lot of praying. I don't tell that story a lot. I kind of stopped talking about that because I'm kind of ashamed in many ways of, of, you know, having been this like churchy kid, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whether or not 
you know, God answered those prayers or not, I can definitely say it was getting access to artists and poets and filmmakers and, and art that gave me what I was looking for. You know, I always say that my relationship to art is a very spiritual one. And I do mm-hmm. feel a sense of the divine in art, artistic words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I connect to it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm getting at is that I think our ability, our, our collective survival has everything to do with being connected to the arts and being connected to black gay culture. You know, in the 1980s, at the height of the Reagan-Thatcher era, yeah. when black gay men were dying like flies, arguably we still are, but when we were dying like flies in the 1980s, these men created artistic mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. We need to learn from that. We need it mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when I think about art, I think about this, we have, we have this, this culture and this tradition that we have access to, mm-hmm. and we need it more now than ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Can I just piggyback on Please. that? I don't want to just jump in. Thank you so much for saying that, because that's, that's so true. I mean, and it takes you back to, like, you know, the people who made me an artist, you mm-hmm. know, um, the Marlin and the Essex and the, the Joseph Beams, like, who were writing out of uh, necessity, like, in a way, but uh, which also, which, which made me realize Marlon, I mean, Marlon especially, like, um, the stuff that he uh, committed to celluloid was just like, um, art is history. Like, that is who we, that that is who future generations are going to read about. I mean, that's what they're going to read. That's what they're going to see. And if we don't put down our stories, then those stories won't be uh, read. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if Essex didn't write, if Marlon didn't commit his stuff to film, like, we wouldn't have those here. Because those men, like, and the horror of that was, like, they all, like, uh, left till very early, you mm-hmm. know. And without their their chronicles of what would happen, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't know what the struggle was in the 80s. And we wouldn't know the pride that they had and what they did and who they were. And they had to have, you know, in mm-hmm. um, the thing. And, um, and, and, and what it took to get that, mm-hmm. you know, to get there. I don't say that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ramon, so for everybody listening, by the way, um, our staged reading of Choir Boy will happen on Tuesday, March 29th. Um, on Morehouse College campus here in Atlanta, Georgia, in Sale Hall. Um, but it's also part of Morehouse's Pride Week. Um, and so we're talking about art, and I know that art is an important component of Pride Week. Ramon, can you talk to us a bit about Pride Week and um, what's included kind of in that week? Yes. Um, so Pride Week, our theme is Muse, a celebration of black career life and resilience through the arts. It's going to be March 28th through April 2nd. Pride Week is a tradition that Safe Space has been doing and Afrikiti we've been doing since 2010. Um, and it's been a week where we can really come and just celebrate our resilience, celebrate ourselves and um, really affirm each other on campus. Um, we don't believe that we should be celebrated, you know, just one week. But, mm-hmm. of course, Pride Week is a time where we can just come together and really just fellowship. So on Monday, um, March 28th, we're going to be starting with a performance showcase starting at 7.30 um, until 10.30 p.m. It's going to be a drag, dance, and musical performance. It's going to be in Cosby Hall, Lobby at Spellman, um, and Timothy Paul Tooks is going to be hosting that. Um, on Tuesday, March 29th, um, Choir Boy, of course, we're going to be having that in Sale Hall, and I'll be your host. Um, Wednesday, on March 30th, we're going to have a Pride Week Hump Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. We're going to have a 20-minute um, J-set 
performance for Pride Week. They're going to be um, HIV testing by Evolution Project, and that'll also be in Cell Hall, room 105, 107, and 109. Um, also on Thursday, March 31st, we're going to have our keynote event from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The speaker is going to be Antron. Um, he will speak on the theme, and Spelman students Janae Sumter will showcase her artwork, and that's going to be in Dansby 200. Booma, our president, is going to be hosting. And then on Friday, on Saturday, April 2nd, um, we're going to have our prayer, our queer prom. That's going to be from 9 p.m. until 12 a.m., and that's going to be at Spelman College. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I think this is so. <clears throat> When we think, you know, of course, this performance is going to happen during um, Pride Week. From your perspective, why is it um, important that people show up to see this play? Well, I believe that visibility is survival. And um, I think that it's important that queer folks and heterosexual folks come out to see this play in order to see our reflection in order to see, you know, that what we're talking about, you know, we're not just talking about this for our health, but this is actually real life mm -hmm. and how important it is that we um, acknowledge and affirm every identity on our campus. Um, I also believe that it's important for folks to come out to see um, a reflection of themselves and to feel affirmed and to also um, see how can, you know, I check my privilege as a cisgendered heterosexual person. How can I make sure that this space is inclusive for not only just myself, you know, and also just to support, you know, black queer folks, you know, doing great things in the community and Choir Boy is one of them. Um, so, mm -hmm. uh, Charles and Michael, um, from your perspectives, why is it important that we are talking about these issues now? I think it's important to just rem I think there's an awareness of things that happen, but yet there's also a numbness. I've often I've been appalled at the way that you know these horrific things will happen often, but not exclusively to black gay men. And it's like, there's no outrage. There's no response. There's no rage. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay. So someone was attacked or, oh, the rates of HIV are off the charts or, you know, there's no access. Like there's this way in which it's, there's like an acceptance that horrible things will happen to us. And it, it frightens me. So why is it important that we're talking about these issues now? Because there still hasn't been, they're still happening, mm -hmm. right? And I, and I believe, I'm of the belief that through art, art can build empathy, that art can help clarify, that through the beautiful words of Terrell, maybe it might illuminate some things. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, especially since, and you know, one of my other gripes is that, you know, the very specific configuration of racism and homophobia that, um, comes to bear in the lives of black gay men and boys is that those issues are completely obscured often mm -hmm. or trivialized, you know? I mean, what does it mean that, you know, black gay men can have such utter um, visibility in pop culture mm -hmm. and so, so little political visibility? Mm -hmm. um, it's unacceptable that the impact of HIV in, the com in black gay communities is what it is and there's no um, healthcare infrastructure that can kind of support that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's unacceptable. And so I hope that 
this play, I don't expect that this stage production will end the issues that we deal with, but I just hope that it at least contributes to the conversation and, and, and also harness power that we're able to bring folks together, have a critical dialogue mm-hmm. and that we can, we can, we can harness power. Like there's been no successful social movement without an arts movement. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why we need art. When when a people is going to be conquered, they start with that culture. Mm-hmm. They start with that link. Take away your language. Take away the culture. Burn the books. Mm-hmm. You know, and impose their culture on you. That's why I think that the the act of doing a stage reading it is an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm just appreciative of 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 all the wonderful partners and supporters we've had, thought partners, mm-hmm. to to do this historic event. Um, for me, it's it's um. I mean, I don't really think I can say anything more, but like, um, because it was amazing. But I think like, I mean, since the um, federal gay law um, uh, bill is passed, I think like um, as a community, uh, um, the queer community, I think we are kind of like um, not really sure what the next step is, step is. And I think like a lot of the conversations are falling by the wayside, like uh, Charles had mentioned. I think like we're, we're seeing people die constantly. Mm-hmm. We're seeing violence constantly, but I think there's this kind of, with a certain part of the gay community, feel like we've done what we needed to do now. Like, we, we become equal citizen. It kind of reminds me of, like, when the Voters' right, Rights Act was mm-hmm. passed. You know, people thought that, oh, the struggle's over now. We're free. We're equal. And that's totally not the case. I mean, as, as well as black people have been, were killed and, and, and maimed and treated horribly and our rights were constantly stepped on. I mean, we constantly have to step off the sidewalk when somebody white passes by. You know, I mean, we're still doing the same things as gay men. Just because we have um, equality, marriage equality right now, like mm-hmm. a federal marriage equality, which is like is a legal uh, uh, disaster area when you really think about like the difference in laws, state laws and federal laws. But mm-hmm. I think like we do, we, we've forgotten that there's a lot more conversations that we need to have. And like this is a very, very, very important conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to thank all of our guests for joining us for Counterpoint today. So um, Choir Boy, a staged reading of Choir Boy presented by the Counter Narrative Project in partnership with Morehouse College Safe Space and the Alliance Theater. Um, Choir Boy is by Terrell Alva McCraney and it's directed by Michael Wynn, who's joining us today. Um, it will... Um, uh, it will be performed on Tuesday, March 29th at Sale Hall on Morehouse College campus. That's going to be from 7 to 9 p.m. This is absolutely free. This is absolutely free. Mm-hmm. Not just free, but free, amazing art <laughs> yeah, yeah. that tells a story that is um, that is our story. And um, everybody should be there. There is no reason. If you're not doing anything on Tuesday, you need to be in Sale Hall in Atlanta, Georgia. Just fly yes. down. Just fly on down. So it's fine. <laughs> and be here for our stage production of Choir Boy. So once again, Tuesday, March 29th, 7 p.m. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here. Michael Wynn, Ramon Johnson, and Charles Stevens. Thank you. Very welcome. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>